Welcome to the How To Wedding Podcast, the wedding guide with nothing to hide. Hi, I'm your host, Paul Santiago, and I'm the owner of Bafo Video, a wedding videography company in Orange County, California. We've been in business for 10 years now and filmed at almost all of the hottest venues here. I'm also the host of the Wedding Bossness Podcast, and now this. Southern California is the wedding capital of the world. It is the epicenter of wedding style and trends. We have the most picturesque venues, the most amazing food, and world-class wedding vendors that combine to create the most stunning weddings ever published. That is how this podcast was born. Not only do we show you around our area, we're giving you real, honest, insider info along the way. Always trust the locals, right? We talk to the most influential people in the wedding industry, the killers of the game, the legends and the wisest to show us the ways of creating and planning weddings, particularly in Southern California. Wedding planning, especially if it's your first time, can feel like you're heading into the great unknown. There's so many resources, but they're mostly generalized or they're out of touch, right? That's why every week we're talking to a new guide to at least give you helpful tips to make your planning a little bit easier. When we come back, wedding planner Kelly Duprat is here and we're talking about the behind the scenes of what a wedding planner really deals with at weddings. Let's face it, you don't want to be lost in the woods with someone who grew up in the city, right? How to Wedding is coming right up because just like what we always say, if we're getting lost... Hey, Kelly. Thanks for being on the show. Hi. Thanks, Paul, for having me. I really appreciate this. We've, we've, we've talked about this, doing this interview for a long time, and I'm finally, I'm so glad it finally happened. Well, thanks, thanks for having me again. It's, uh, I'm excited to talk about, about everything that is wedding. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And everything that we talked about, like, off off the record, it's just, uh, it, it got me really excited. So I'm really looking forward to this. So before we start, right. I would love it if you tell the listeners something about yourself that they'd probably be surprised to know about. Well, um, let's see. I can speak three languages. Um, English, obviously, Vietnamese and French. I'm fluent in French. Um, I was born and raised in France. Um, I came here when I was 17. So, you know, and I started learning a little bit of Mandarin and I understand Spanish. I mean, I don't speak fluently, but I understand. So, uh, you know, I, I can understand a lot of languages. Wow. You're like quadlingual. Is that? <laughs> I don't know. How do you say that? Four or five? I don't know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but that's definitely amazing. fluent in three and two that I can, I can understand. I can, I can hear and I understand what they say. Wow. That's good to know. I, I did not expect the uh, French part. I didn't, I didn't know that you knew that. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. The only French phrase I know is the, 
uh, où voulez-vous manger or something like that? Just, like, what, do you want to eat tonight <laughs> with me tonight? <laughs> Anything about that's food? Good. Anything about yeah, food? I try to good. learn. <laughs> okay, so now that um, we're surprised to know about that, we'd love to know um, how you got into the industry and what you're up to right now. Well, uh, let's see. This year, 2020. So I've been in the industry for 11 years. Uh, it, it feels like it was just yesterday. I literally started by just, you know, helping plan uh, family weddings. And everybody was like, you're really good at doing this. You should, you know, let's start looking into this. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I started looking into this. I started taking classes. And... Um, You know, about 10, 11 years ago, there's not really a lot of social media at the time. So there's no Instagram, no Yelp, no nothing like this. So I marketed myself through word of mouth. And Facebook was was pretty in during that time. It's still in now. but um, So I started marketing myself through that and uh, getting clients. And I was lucky enough to get two or three clients when I started that were in the industry. So they were having blogs. So they were having a lot of followers. Um, and they mentioned my name and since I did their wedding, it kind of like, it was, you know, uh, putting my name out there basically. So that's how I got started in the business. Wow. You know, it's, it's funny because we're also, we're, we're, this is our 10th year and I feel mm -hmm. like most of the businesses that have been established and are, have achieved longevity in the industry are the ones that started after the recession. Do you, do you Did you yeah. see that? Is that something that you noticed? Well, I, I've had, you know, I started slow when I, uh, when I started because I didn't have a lot of experience. So, you know, and I don't think there was a lot of wedding planners at the time that was speaking Vietnamese. So, I mean, that's how I, I got started, is the fact that I could speak Vietnamese and the clients liked that I was able to speak to the parents. And then people at the time were not really hiring a lot of wedding planners or coordinators because the family were not used to having that around. Um, but yeah, so I got started definitely after the recession. It was it was when it was when it started. Yeah, and you know you you get to see a little bit of appreciation when you when business starts to pick up because after the recession everyone just struggled and you know you 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 feel like you found this opening that is going to help you with your business and I, i i really see that with other vendors who have who have started after the recession that's so cool yeah definitely it, it made us hustle a little bit more because you know you know recession people people were just getting married and it was just it was a lot of things happening during that time yeah it so was, we were hustling a lot Yeah, and the, the fact that there wasn't any Instagram, it was just Facebook that time, and mm -hmm. you know, see, I remember when I started, there were like five videographers in the industry, and now there's oh, yeah, oh my gosh, there's like five thousand just in Southern California alone. It's crazy. So competitive now. Yeah, which is good. I'm not complaining, but it's just <laughs> been wow, holy moly. It is okay. So It you is. said that. Um, Well, what I, I wanted to ask you what what uh, your specialty is. What kind of weddings are do you specialize in? So I have a lot of Asian clients. So a lot of my specialty is Vietnamese 
uh, weddings. So a lot of my clientele is definitely, I would say, 85%, you know, Vietnamese and have other, you know, 15%, 25%, I would say it's more um, mixed couples or different ethnicities. But I'm definitely focused on more Asian wedding, Vietnamese wedding. That's cool. I, I remember um, when I started doing Vietnamese weddings, it was just mind-blowing. It's like a mixture of everything. And yeah. I think my favorite part of a uh, Vietnamese wedding is uh, the one after the tea ceremony because it's lunch and they feed everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that always nice that happens? <laughs> but yeah, those, those are long days, right? Those are long days for all of the vendors, especially photographer, videographer, and wedding planners. It's long days that we have to keep up with. Yeah. And having having planners like you with our in our side, it's just e- way easier because I've I've worked with other planners who, you know, just are starting out and mm-hmm. they have no idea what to do. So I, I guess my goal for this is to be able to uh, bring the information to the couples who are planning their wedding, especially if they're Vietnamese. And I was wondering if you could describe to us what an entire process looks like from your end when it comes to the the weddings when you prepare like when before you the couples even find you when they find mm-hmm. you and then they book you and then you go through the process it, briefly if you if you don't mind no 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 problem so uh, like i said a lot of my clients do find me through word of mouth um with you know instagram and yelp um they do reach out to me uh, through that also with the blog and being, you know, mentioned in any of the photographers that they um, mentioned on name or any of the wedding that we've done. So that's how I get my clients most likely. So a lot of times they just reach out to me, uh, we set up a initial meeting consultation um, and then we'll go to, are we a good fit? You know, because a lot of clients do go out and they're, they're basically shopping around for a lot of the vendors. So they do meet with different, you know, wedding planners Um if they do, if we do have the initial consultation and we are a good match, then they end up booking me and we go through, um, uh, you know, contracts, uh, preliminary timeline and vendor list and any of the vendor recommendation that I go, that I, uh, recommend to them. So my clients are mostly hiring me either for partial planning or day of coordination. So there's a misconception where people think that day of coordination means that we start on, let's say, the a month prior. In my case, I don't do that. As soon as you sign the contract, I literally just keep up with you like monthly. Like, how are you doing on planning? How can I help you? You know, that helps a lot. So it's a lot of more than day of coordination because I do go through um, a, a lot of communication with them prior. Um, so... Once we settled on a timeline and we have all the vendors booked, uh, I go to, you know, reaching out to vendors at least two months prior to get their insurance, whatever is needed for the venue, um, how many people are in the team, because I know how many meals we have to provide for the vendors to eat. Because, you know, you guys work for 12, 14 hours with us, too, so you need to eat. So I want to make sure that we have the correct amount of, of vendor meals for you guys. So we do take care of our vendors as well. Um, once, you know, so once I got every, have everything settled, then two weeks prior to the wedding, we met, we meet with the clients and we finalize everything with them. 
I don't like to finalize prior because things always change. You know, a week prior to the wedding, there's always changes. Oh, yeah. Um, and I contact the vendor the week of the wedding. I don't contact them two weeks. I don't contact them a month and say, this is how the wedding is going. Because, um, you know, every vendor has weddings each week. So I don't, I want them to focus on my wedding that week. That's why I send them the final timeline on the week of. Um, so that's how I do my, my business in that, in that, you know, back end work. Wow. Um, on the day of the wedding is usually wake up in the morning, eight o'clock or four in the morning. However, the bride needs to wake up. <laughs> um, tea ceremony, you know, eight or 10 usually. Um, so I start as soon as the bride wakes up, you know, I go pick up the personal flowers for them, bring it to the tea ceremony. Um, and basically go through the whole day with them, pinning boutonnieres, um, you know, lining up the groom and the groom side for the tea ceremony. And we go through the timeline, basically. After the tea ceremony, um, the, the couple either have a church ceremony or an American ceremony. Most of my clients have a church ceremony. So I do have to include in the timeline a time for them to change out of their uh, Aoyai, which is a traditional Vietnamese dress, into the um, American dress. Um, and I also have to go with the photographer and videographer and make sure that they capture the moments of them changing. Um, you know, we go through the church ceremony, and after that, we do pictures and then reception. And I end up being with them until the end of the night where I put them in the car and make sure that they are safe and going home. So that's pretty much, you know, <laughs> how it goes in the day. So I could go 17 hours. 14 hours, but most of my time for Vietnamese weddings are 15 to 17 hour day. Wow. You, you know, it, just going through that, it, I'm already exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it seems like, you know, a lot of some clients just think that it's not a lot of work for us. They say, well, I already did this, I already did that. I'm like, yeah, but there's little things that are not thought of, you know, yeah. that we have to think about. You know, you know, we want to make sure that the photographer and videographer captures everything on your wedding day. And I have to remind my clients, you only are getting married once. Yep. You know, cross your finger, knock on wood, Hopefully, only yeah. once. <laughs> yeah, so we want to make sure that we capture everything. So the fact that I'm there coding doesn't mean that I'm just sitting there and pointing fingers. No, I literally run around and look for the photographer. Make sure you capture this, you know, videographer. They're doing the grand entrance. Make sure that you have everybody, you know. They yeah. want to do this or that. It's, it's a lot of coordination in terms of, you know, it's one person coordinating a team of vendors. Yeah. yeah it's nice if, if the couple has just four vendors that it's most of the time it's about 10 to 12, 12 vendors that I have to coordinate with, you know, rentals, making sure that, you know, lighting, DJ, everything is up to the expectation. Yeah. You know, just describing everything that the process, this is actually to all people who are listening, this is the dream scenario, right? But most right. of the time there's always like a monkey wrench being thrown in. Like the parents have like an issue with something or, the, they're late or something like that, right? Right, right. There's always like, you know, a backstory of a vendor being late because the truck broke down on the freeway and, oh my gosh, it's, it's the dance floor and it's not there on time and we need to do, you know, the grand entrance. And so are we going to do the grand entrance without, you know, the dance floor or with the dance floor? It's a decision that sometimes I have to make, an executive decision, but I do have to run through the bride and groom and say, what exactly do you want? 
because this is yeah. what I would recommend, but it's your wedding day and I'm just here to make it, you know, execute your wedding day. So there's always something happening that the bride and groom are not aware of. And oh, there yeah. are times there are things that we don't tell them or what's behind the scenes that's happening. And it's a lot of decisions that I have to make or two vendors that are fighting because they don't like the way the light is setting or the drapery setting. And I have to be the middle band and just say, okay, stop it. You guys, you know, Let's just focus. We do this wedding for the couple. Let's just get this without arguing with each other. It's it's a lot of, you know, I'm like a police officer basically, <laughs> trying to make sure everything goes right. Or or so, you're you're like yeah. a preschool teacher. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's a lot of like, you know, different personality that I have to deal with, you know. Yeah. Um different family members that I have to deal with and making sure that you know, deal with the parents not happy with this or you know, requesting something extra that the couple didn't want to. Yeah, we we always tell the couples, at least when we have them go through the wedding video day, um, we always tell the couples, the planners, they're thinking five steps ahead of you. So don't mm -hmm. expect them to be there during the ceremony because they're always at the reception already just planning it, everything mm -hmm. out. So we we're setting that expectation for the couples and, and i feel like and let me know how you feel about this i feel like uh the the price of the the price that the vendors charge affect the i, I think the professionalism as well like the service that you get because kind of like when what what you said when the vendors are like arguing i feel like if mm -hmm. the vendors who are who charge more they know how to handle things like these they they treat it a little bit more professional and do you how right. do you feel about um w when couples don't spend as much money at, you know on a p particular vendor as opposed to a different one but before you answer that i really want to talk about the facebook group that we started that is exclusively for couples who are planning their wedding no wedding vendors allowed. Actually, there'll be a few handpicked ones to moderate, but they're pros, so they won't be nasty. That way, you can really be honest and ask any question. We can talk about budgeting, venues, tips, tricks, recipes. You can even vent about your mom. No judgment. Only request is, be nice to everybody. Our goal is to help you plan a wedding, not regret having one. Alright? Just click on the group's link in the show notes and we'll hope to see you there. Now, what was your answer to my question? That, that is totally true. And sometimes I don't have a say in that as a wedding planner or coordinator because some, we're the last people that they book sometimes. Yeah. We're not the first. If they're looking for full, full planning, then yeah, we're the first people that they book. But if they're the last, we're the last people, they already booked all of their vendors. So we have to work with whoever they book, not any of our recommendations. And sometimes it's vendors that we haven't worked with and we're just, you know, being professional. It's like, well, you know, I've done enough weddings that I know how to handle this, you know, but, you know, or, oh no, they're booking someone that I had a bad experience with. That doesn't oh. mean that I don't want to work with them. Yeah. You know, it's something that I'm just going to be like, okay, I'm just going to suck it up and just, you know, the my end goal is to make the wedding couple happy. This is my end goal. And is to, to make their wedding unforgettable, basically. So the fact that I've had a bad experience with one vendor doesn't mean that I'm never going to work with them again. You know, it's it's their choice. They don't know that we had a bad experience with them. But as a professional and working, doing this for 10 years, we can work with anybody. Um, and we just have to be courte courteous to the vendor to, 
you know, family members who are pushy um, and be professional and putting a smile on our face, whether or not where we want to or not, you know, <laughs> we'll just have to. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just the, it's just the business. It's just how it is. Yeah, you know, especially Asian weddings, man, everyone wants to be a part of that of that planning process or of that wedding process and as much as I would love to see them helping, I'm like, "Please mm-hmm. don't <laughs> please step out of our, no. step out of our way." <laughs> but, I mean, it's the thing. So that this is what I wanted to talk to you about is a lot of my Vietnamese couples struggle with, you know, pleasing their parents. So in my first initial consultation, I do ask them, I was like, what is your expectation? Do you want to have your wedding or do you want to have your parents' wedding? You know, so they said, well, we want to make them happy in this and this. And I said, okay, in that case, you just have to meet in the middle. You just have to give and take what you can. And a lot of times I tell them, look, if you have a problem with your parents, I can talk to them. And a lot of Vietnamese parents do take more to a third person instead of their children telling them no. Uh, And I'm not saying like, no point. No, I'm just telling them like nicely, you know, this is not what they want. um, And it'll cost them extra money. Asian parents, sometimes when they hear extra money to them, they just say, well, forget it then because they don't (laughs) want their children spending more money. Right. So this is my trick in a way is, and, and my clients like the fact that I can talk to their parents um, so they don't have to go straight to their parent and saying no, that they don't want the way they want or they don't want them to help planning the wedding. Um, so it helps in a way that they can hear from me. Um, but I do take into consideration their advice, you know, the parents' advice, and I say, you know, this is what your parents want. It's just to make them happy and make them feel that they are part of the wedding. Let's include it in the wedding in a different way. So that's how I work with the clients. Oh, my gosh. On pleasing their parents. That's so smart. Just telling them it costs more. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but it does because you know, Asian, we're all cheap in a way. We don't want to spend extra money, and when you know, it, it, that's how the way it goes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's that's the way to someone. That's actually the way to an Asian person's heart is through <laughs> through money. Yeah, to tell them it'll cost more. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So since you've you've. We've talked about this already. I was I wanted to know, um, a- apart from the the struggling with dealing with parents, what are the if there are any? What are other common mistakes you see couples make when they're planning their wedding? I, I think the common mistake is the fact that people are expecting more for paying less. Um, you know, you really and I tell my clients, you you get what you pay for. Um, and then to have nowadays a wedding in California that is going to be $40,000 $40, to $45,000, it, it's really minimal. California weddings now, it's a little bit more expensive than it used to be, especially with a lot of like industry people that are coming in and the expectation that the couple have uh, that they want a type of weddings, but they want a $40,000 you know, budget. I just have to tell them, you have to be realistic because if you want white carpet, but you're only having like a 2,500 budget, that is not going to work. Just have a little more realistic and make sure that they have to build a good team of vendors um, because that is makes or breaks your wedding. Um, 
you don't want to just a DJ who is an uncle who is going to doing who is going to do it. It's just not going to work. Um, you just have to make the wedding be uh, more lively, entertaining. Um, you know, you you want to involve the guests as much as you want and enjoy the wedding. So hiring professionals is always, you know, the key. Uh, or non non-professional is the key mistake that a lot of couples make. And, and it's due to budget because they want to go with a cheaper, you know, cheaper vendor because of their of their budget issue. But you know, it's yeah. just at the end of the day, it's their wedding. It's whatever they want. We'll make it work, and we have to work with people that have really bad speaker system, or it keeps like the microphone doesn't work or anything like this. Oh it's gosh. just it's just unprofessional when that happens. It doesn't make it doesn't help with me for us as a planner or coordinator if the MC doesn't follow the instruction that I gave them on oh. the, um, during the reception. Okay, so that's actually... I, I love this point that you brought up because this is actually the reason why I wanted to do this podcast and this blog is because, you know, you, you could have the most beautiful, f- funnest wedding in the world, but for us photographers and videographers, sometimes it doesn't really translate well on video or photos. So my goal mm-hmm. is for couples to realize that, you know, photos are and videos are the only things that you take home after the wedding. And you would yeah. want to have like a good experience when you mm-hmm. watch it, when you relive the day. And, you know, that's right. We, I, we've had DJs where their, their sound system was so loud, people couldn't dance. Like they couldn't hear. Right. It's just so loud. And, you know, the microphone's not working. Um the photographer didn't take really good photos. We've had a florist that didn't really do the job right. So it didn't really translate well on on the final product, mm-hmm. I, I must say. Yeah, and, 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 you know, the recommendation or the advice that I always give my couples is, you know, splurge a little bit on the photographer and videography because that's the only thing you are bringing back. You know, that's the only time you're having family coming in from different state or overseas. And when can you ever get, you know, your whole family back in this particular in one spot? And, you know, if you splurge on your photographer or videographer, that's the best way. Um, Again, I've had couples who just say, hey, Kelly, you know, I've had a co-worker who just started in photography this is their instagram can you look at it and oh i look at it and i'm like mm, they don't have any i mean granted i i mean i work part i work full-time too and i do wedding planning part-time so i i don't have a problem with photographers doing this part-time or videographers doing this part-time but i want to see that they have experience in weddings and whenever they if it's an asian couple and they're hiring a i mean i don't want to be you know bringing the white card or anything but they want to hire a uh, American uh, photographer to me is are they familiar with wedding with Asian weddings? Yep. Because if they're not, it's totally different. I mean, American weddings is a lot easier than Asian weddings. This is a seventeen-hour wedding that they're working on, a twelve-hour wedding, and Asian parents and Asian family are very pushy, and we don't want that photographer to be offended or in any way. So I do have to make sure that the photographer that they go- they hired or they ha- they are going to hire based on price are okay with this. Um, because like I said, Asian weddings are a completely different, it's, it's a completely different animal compared to American weddings that they've worked at. Oh yeah. I it's can't, just different. I can't tell you how many times I've worked with uh, photographers that 
don't know what they're doing when it comes to the cultural part of the wedding. Like they're they're mm -hmm. really good at taking portraits and romantic photos, but then, you know, when tea ceremony is happening, he's like, "So where where should we stand?" I'm like, uh, "Get away from me!" Because <laughs> I I tell <laughs> I told him, to, like yeah. Yeah, sorry, Paul. It's just a thing. Sometimes I'm so busy running around, then I cannot direct the photographer and videographer what to do. Yeah, it's, it's like I, I expect them to know what they need that needs to be done. I'm going to tell them, you know, what's next that's going to happen. So they need to prepare for it. But for, for them to ask me, well, the prior didn't tell me to go take pictures. Yet. I'm like, well, that I can't do that for every picture that you need to take. You need to take you need to take, you know, initiative on yourself and just go take pictures. That's what you are paid for. Yeah. So that's a, that's sometimes a struggle that I have to go through. Um, so I usually assign one of my team members to stay with the photographer <laughs> or the or the videographer just yeah. to direct them on what to do. But that's one less person for helping me because yeah. I'm I'm letting them helping the photographer and videographer instead of helping me doing other things. That's such a great point because you know you're not they're not getting their money's worth when they pay you because. You're you're not really doing. You can't really do your job when the photographer or videographer doesn't know what they're doing. It it sucks. We we always right. we always tell our couples, you know, there's a reason why we charge this much, and it's because of the experience that we have. And mm -hmm. you know, it's not just the video, that the quality of the video, but also the experience. So we always tell them, even if they don't want to book with us, we always tell them look for a videographer who could do this, this, this. And I feel like that's part of the service that they couples need to be expecting from other vendors. Exactly. And that's exactly what I tell my clients as well when I meet them um, on an initial consultation. I tell them, you know, I if you feel like I'm a good fit for you, book me. And if you're looking at other wedding coordinators or planners out there, please feel free to do that because I want them to feel comfortable with the person they're going to work with. And the fact that they need to work you know, a lot of times and they need to work for a long time with that person. So if they're not comfortable with me, then it's not going to be a good match, especially when I'm, I, I tend to be pushy and I need to push in order to get their wedding to be where they need to be and expected to be. And if I don't push, it's never going to happen. Um, so, and some people don't like to be pushed, you know, they want to do it on their own time. But as a wedding planner and coordinator, in order to make a wedding successful, I need the help from the, the couple. And if I don't get the help from them to get the information that I need, it's not going to work out. And then I'm going to end up planning my own wedding again instead of their wedding, yeah. you know. Which in some cases, it might be better. But, you know, that might be a different <laughs> <some> podcast. <laughs> So, <laughs> in some cases, yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to backtrack because we you you brought up a great point about the price, like the forty thousand, forty five thousand dollar budget isn't really feasible for whatever a couple really wants. Like if they want to go all out, right? Because right. you said that, and I I share your sentiment when you said about the the um the national figures that. Uh, mm -hmm. the blogs release that this is a, like an mm -hmm. average wedding budget but you know this is SoCal and it's just a totally different beast like if you want to get married in California there's no way mm -hmm. that you could fit a $28,000 budget into whatever you want so no. I want to ask you what in reality like <laughs> if a, a regular nice 
wedding doesn't have to be like super luxurious but mm-hmm. what how how much is usually an average when it comes to if if they get whatever everything they want for their wedding okay so you have to base on on, on the guest count as well if okay. you're looking for 300 to 400 people you're looking for 50,000 or more definitely and going more like on the lowest scale um because everything adds up um and you know food adds up if you have a 300 let's just say my average wedding are usually 300 people um 45,000 is doable but you really have to go and pick the vendors at a more on a not lower scale but a, a friendly a, a low friendly budget um vendor and i have I have different category of vendors that I recommend to my clients. I have low budget, I have a mid tier and I have a a high end. Um my clientele is more mid tier. So I have any vendors in in the category that they want. Uh realistically nowadays to have a wedding in Socal, I would say probably 55 to 60. 55 to 60. Okay. That that mm-hmm. Okay, I like that that budget. Because yeah. um, venue alone, <laughs> you know, venue <laughs> alone and the catering. So that's the thing. I want to yeah. ask you, when it comes to, for example, um, when it comes to budgeting, like uh, I have like a $40,000 budget. There's There has to be a point where a couple would choose between saving that money or splurging it on a vendor. When it comes yeah. to, when you're... Not when when you don't have enough budget. I I guess we just have to be honest with this. But when you're running out of budget, what is the one? What are the few uh, list in the lists of vendors that you could you should save money or you could you should splurge on? Um. So usually, I say half of your budget already goes to your venue and the food. So let's just say you have a forty-five, a forty thousand budget. Then twenty thousand are definitely already going to your food and venue. The other twenty thousand would just have to work between, you know, everybody else. Okay. In terms of, you know, splurge on photographer, videographer, um, MC, DJ, you can splurge on that as well. I think it because I feel like an MC makes or breaks a wedding during oh, yeah. a reception. Um. Mm. Maybe you can cut costs on, you know, lighting. Maybe you don't need lighting that much, you know. Like definitely pin spot, I would say, on the sweetheart or the cake. But do we need pin spot on all the tables? No. So I will usually work with them when they start getting to the point where, oh, my God, we're running out of budget. What can we cut costs on? Then I would usually say lighting. You know, lighting makes makes the wedding. It just it can make the room feel romantic, but you can cut on a few of the lighting. Um, drapery. Do you really have to do drapery the whole room or you can do drapery just behind the sweetheart table because that will be the focal point. Um, maybe, you know, dessert table or photo booth. Um, that you can cut a little bit as well. In terms of dessert, I tell them, you know, I know you want a person that comes in and do dessert, but let's just like, you know, buy dessert from portals and then just we'll bring it to the to the venue and we'll just set it up. Like my team will set it up. So that's how you can cut costs as well. Some little things you can cut costs on, um, but we always find a way just to make the wedding work on their budget and cutting, cutting some things here and there, but not so that it could be, you know, 
not so that the wedding is affected. Yeah. Like nobody will really see it. Like linens, do you need to upgrade the linens? Not necessarily. Nobody sees that you eat on the table and it's going to get dirty anyway. Um, you know, things like that, that you can cut costs, like okay. little things here and there. Yeah, because we, we always tell the couples, you know, you, yeah, you're going to splurge on... Um, I feel like they need to be educated on what they need to splurge on and what to save on, right? And whenever yeah. they splurge on the photographer and the videographer, but they don't get... they, they it, it just doesn't translate well when everything else is like not spent on. Because I've had right. weddings where they splurge on the photographer and videographer, but we have nothing to work on. Like there's no... Right centerpieces or there's no mm -hmm. nothing on the tables you know stuff like that so i feel like it has mm -hmm. to be a balance of everything yes there needs to be a balance but like it's, but like i said it's just you can cut on other things that it's little things that you can't really tell yeah. that it's going to affect the beauty of a wedding um yeah like the linens you can have just regular linens it doesn't have to be like the velvet linen you know things like that you can just cut on those costs um, it's still going to look good as a whole when people enter the wedding. It's still going to look good because there's other things that's going to make it stand out. Um, and reuse as much as you can. That's what I said. Reuse anything that you have at the ceremony back to the reception. Um, that saves a lot of on cost as well. Yeah, and I also want to bring up the pin spots as as videographers mm -hmm. and photographers. This kills mm -hmm. us. Pin spots and spotlights ruin the video for us because most of the time we expose we can't expose for two like uh mm -hmm. if there's like a spotlight on the couple and then everything's going to be dark and then they mm -hmm. take out the spotlight of the, from the couple and then the couple's going to mm -hmm. be dark you can barely see the couple so right uh, same thing goes with the pin spotlights when when there's lights on the tables and there's nothing mm -hmm. else it's just going to it's just so hard to film everything. So, you know, just having like a balance. You could you could go away with no spotlight or no pin spots. <laughs> so either or, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. great. Okay. So now I want to ask, since the couples already have an idea of how you work and how you handle everything, I want to ask you... Um, tips on finding a wedding planner just like you because i know you can't be at two places at one time so if in their area how are they going to be able to find a wedding planner like you um you know it it, it doesn't hurt to ask if for example i am not available for a wedding it doesn't hurt to ask you know do you have any other recommendation do you recommend any other people, uh, wedding coordinators that you know? Um, and a lot of us are all about, you know, um, friendship and in this in this business. So I do recommend people that are similar to me in this industry if I'm not available. Um, talk to your friends. Talk to you know different people that you've been wedding at weddings and ask them who the wedding coordinator is. Um, and just, you know, just you have to follow the word of mouth. That's the best marketing, I think, that, that is out there. Word of mouth and looking at Instagram, um, the work that they've done and how the wedding planner is, uh, is doing the day of for you. Like how involved out there are they for you? Um, 
that's that's my tip on how they could find someone who's similar to what I, I would do. Interview them. That's the best way of getting to know the person. Interviewing the person uh, that you are thinking of hiring for your wedding who's doing your coordination. Um, like I said, you need to be in the same wavelength as the couple uh, whenever they interview that person. And if you are the good match, then just book that person. That, yeah. That's my recommendation. I've seen a lot of couples that book a vendor based on their social media and it it doesn't really work out because they usually don't meet until the wedding day mm-hmm. and it sucks because there's no chemistry and it's so obvious so that that's a really really good tip yeah so i usually if i can't meet them in person then i usually have a um conference call with them at least just to get an initial consultation and then if you have any questions then they can always ask me Um, I always tell my clients that, you know, don't they don't have to hesitate to ask me any questions. If they have anything that it's bothering them, then just call, text, email me, and I'm available. I'm kind of like the therapist in a way as well. So <laughs> it's I'm like you, a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, you are. You should be paid more. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, okay. So last question, because my goal also is to be able to give uh, ideas to couples to make sure that they maximize video and photo, mm-hmm. right? What are the must-haves for a Vietnamese weddings when it comes to photo and video? What are the must-haves? Must what, what are the must-haves? Like, you know, make sure, there's a, make sure there's a tea ceremony, you know, stuff like that, if there are any. Okay. I would say already start with thinking that you're going to book them for 12 hours. <laughs> Don't think that even the photographer, photographer has an eight to 10 hour. If you have a tea ceremony, it's not going to work. 12 hours will be the minimum usually for photographer and videographer. The must have is they need to be flexible with the timeline and with the amount of people that are going to ask them, Oh, I want picture here. I want picture there. Um, you know, Photographers and videographers are really good at being flexible, at taking pictures, and and they have to know table greetings. Uh, I've worked with photographers and videographers that do not want to do table greetings, and but that's an integral part of a reception for Vietnamese couple because they go table to table, and you know they they just want to have that. They, they need those moments to be captured. Uh, it's not all about decoration and taking pictures here and that. A lot of the Vimis couple are really big on family, so they do want to take pictures of their family. And it helps with the parents. They're happy with the fact that they're a lot of picture of the family. Um, like I say, flexibility is a big, it's a big must-have for me. Um, and being able to work with the planner coordinator uh, without giving them you know, attitude. Okay, I <laughs> That's like what that. I would say. The must-have <laughs> is just get out of their way. <laughs> <laughs> Not get out of their way, but just don't give us an attitude when they ask you to do something. <laughs> That's yeah. one of my, my pet peeves. Yeah. Um, it's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I have to remind the vendors sometimes, photographers, videographers, florists, that our, cup, our end goal is the couple. Making sure that the wedding is memorable and you know, capture everything that they're not seeing. Um, because they're not to place it at once. They always pull from one one end to the other and they're not seeing that, oh, this table is having a lot of fun. Let's try to capture that. 
you know, things like that. So they would like to see that and they'll be surprised when they end up ha- receiving the photos or videos. It's just, you know, a good, a good touch for them. Good. Yeah. I, I like that tip. That's a really, really helpful tip because it, it just goes to show that it's not just about the pretty pictures. It's about the relationship mm-hmm. and the chemistry. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's kind of like dating. You can't just ask someone to marry you. You know, you just have to go through the... Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, thank you so much. And, it, and it's no problem. And the fact that they stress so much about planning the wedding on the day of... On the day of our, my job is to make it as stress, not as stressful for them, you know, just so that they just enjoy their day. Um, they spend many months, you know, planning a wedding. And the fact that they're hiring my team to do their wedding is already a testament that they're trusting the fact that they want to, you know, have a memorable wedding and not stressing about, over it. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I would, I, I really thank you for doing this. And I would love it if you uh, share us an information just in case the couples would want to reach out and ask you questions or know more about you. Please tell them where to reach you and how. Of course. Um, they can definitely reach me on uh, my website. is kellydupratweddingplanner.com. And um, they can look on my Instagram, on Yelp. I'm pretty much all over social media, so I'm easy to find. Um, and don't be fooled by my last name. I'm Vietnamese. I can speak Vietnamese and I'm fluent in Vietnamese. It's just sometimes it just turns people off because they don't know I'm Vietnamese by my last name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whenever I hear your name, I remember hearing your name when when we started out. And I automatically think of it as elegance because whenever people mention your name, it's they have a different tone. And I feel like you've developed that reputation in the industry that only few people can achieve. And it's such an honor for me to be interviewing you today. And thanks so much for your friendship and your honesty. And I know a lot of couples have been enlightened with this episode. Well, thank you so much for involving me, Paul. really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And I'll see you around. All the best to you. Thanks, Kelly. All right. Thank you so much. That's the interview. And I hope you learned something today. Feel free to reach out to our guest if you have any questions by clicking on their link in the show notes. This episode of the How to Wedding Podcast is done, but be sure to hit subscribe to our podcast to keep you up to date. Share this to someone who'll need it and join the Facebook group to keep the discussion going. See you next time and don't forget, if we're going to get lost... <laughs>